0: Okay, this is Mike Fader and this is the turning point. <clears throat> what does the Sufi say? Sufi saying that uh we're in this world but we're not of it. This is one of those days, actually one of those times that I wish I was very much wish I was uh of the world but not in it. <laughs> I mean, this is uh this is really a trying time. It might have something to do with the way the summer is. I don't know. People are having different experiences this summer. I'm <clears throat> going to make an announcement here. We have, let's see, some business to talk about. The uh, show, The Turning Point, is moving. We're moving. Uh, we. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. The show is moving to Fridays. It's not happening right away, but it's happening soon uh what will what's next monday september 5th is the uh last monday i will be on and um after that i will not be on september 12th monday but i will be on that friday september 16th is that clear it's not so clear to me but it's clear enough i hope <laughs> the show We'll be moving to Fridays as of September 16th. I will not be on Monday, September uh, 12th, but I'll be on that Friday and Fridays thereafter uh, on, um, at the usual time at 4 p.m. And podcasts will continue as usual for the show. So uh, if that information is correct, uh, yes, it sounds like it's correct. All right. we 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 have a go. It is correct. Once again, a turning point, having been on Mondays for quite some time um, at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, is moving to Fridays at 4 p.m. <clears throat> Eastern Time. First Friday will be September. I'm sorry. Yeah, September 16th, and um, that means on Monday the 12th I won't be here. So next Monday the 5th is the last Monday program. Okay, put that away. I have my other pieces of paper here um, and um, some various news articles I cut out. Uh, I guess everybody is, who's listening to me right now has, uh, has read about or heard about or in some other way, however you get your news, has, uh, has um, been informed about this whole thing about the EpiPen. Uh, and about Mylan Mylan Pharmaceuticals, M-Y-L-A-N. There is this uh, pharmaceutical company, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, which produces something called an EpiPen. An EpiPen, and my daughter has used these things because she has terrible severe allergies, like to bee stings and uh, spider bites, other things like that, and one or two other things, that uh, she could die from one of these um, and also has had uh, various other allergies, uh, I think, to peanuts and stuff. She was one of these poor kids who was born with allergies and developed them, and they have just remained with her. Uh, Sometimes people outgrow allergies. I had terrible allergies when I was a kid, and now I have some, but not too many. They're not too bad. Life uh, or God or life will, uh, in some ways, take away the bad things as he uh, or it adds other things to your life. But I have outgrown a lot, of, as a lot of people have. I have outgrown uh, some allergies, and I have ingrown some others. Like for instance, uh, starting in my fifties, up until my fifties, I could eat just about anything. Sometimes it made me sick a little bit, but after my fifties, uh, somehow my digestion got to a point where I couldn't eat things I like that. The one thing I would love to eat more than anything else that I can eat, I'm an allergic to wheat. So I'm, I'm, what is it, allergic to gluten? I hate that word gluten. I'm allergic to gluten and um, which means that I can't eat wheat. And everything goes you can't eat wheat, you can't eat regular bread, you can't eat spaghetti, you can't eat pizza. You can't eat pizza, the best food that was ever invented by human beings, pizza. If I had a last meal, I was in jail and they said this is your last meal, or for some other if I was dying fatally. Um, and somebody said if I was going to be, you know, not in this world and not of it either. Uh, and they say, what do you want for your last meal? It would be pizza. Two gigantic slices of pizza with probably uh, sausages. I would have sausages. The sausages sound good? Sound good? Yeah, I don't like I hate anchovies. I mean, some people like it. No, anchovies. Anchovies taste like the inside of a garbage can. I don't understand how people could even eat anchovies. It's beyond me. Even to look at an anchovy makes me feel like an anchovy. But, um, yeah, my last meal would be, well, yeah, it might be a couple of other things thrown in, but definitely um, two big slices of pizza with a lot of cheese. Um, water in my mouth is watering now. Anyhow, my daughter is one of these people who has these terrible allergies, and I think we all probably know people in our family or we know of people, um, it seems a little rare, but um, because, the, uh, because of the way the world is, it's not just necessarily just um, a genetic inheritance, these allergies, although in my daughter's case, since I had a lot of allergies when I was a kid, and I still do have a lot of allergies, uh, now specifically to food, uh, she has inherited a lot of the poor, poor kid not a kid anymore. She's 36 years old. But she's inherited a lot of these allergies. And um, one thing that she needed, because she uh, once almost died from a spider bite, is she needs these EpiPens. It's E-P-I-P-E-N. And what is an EpiPen? An EpiPen is a drug that uh, it's like an injection, an emergency injection that people carry with them at all times, wherever they are, in case they get... Uh, a spider bite or a bee sting or some other kind of allergy affects them like um, some people are allergic to peanuts almost fatally allergic to peanuts and um, there is one company of course this is part of the uh, this is part of the giant pharmaceutical industry which makes obscene profits and um, uh, at the, usually uh, often I should say often at the expense of people's lives uh, here's um, Here's an article that I'll read part of or parts of. <clears throat> Last shot at EpiPen profits ends in a Milan monopoly. In 2012, the company behind the EpiPen settled a lawsuit by agreeing to allow a generic competitor into the market in 2015, potentially cutting into a big part of, the, of its business. The company Mylan had already been steadily increasing the price of EpiPens, an injector containing a drug that can save people from life-threatening allergy attacks. After the settlement, it started to raise the price even faster. This is going on all over, and everybody knows this. One way or another, either you or somebody that you know closely, intimately, or somebody in your family or a friend takes a drug, and uh, it's a drug that is not yet a generic. It's not a generic drug, so it's not cheaper. <clears throat> and the price of these drugs goes up and up and up and up. And although in a lot of cases people's insurance companies pays the bill for these things, in a lot of cases they don't cover the whole thing or they don't cover it at all. And I know people who are paying. I don't know how they afford to do it. I mean, they get coupons, they get... Um, they get breaks from the pharmaceutical company sometimes, and sometimes the insurance company covers part of it. There are people who are paying ten twenty fifty dollars a pill for medication that they need, um, which is a life saving medication they need i suppose theres a, there are all, there are always since this is the progressive radio network and gary Nill's network there 's always alternatives to these um, pharmaceuticals but most people who take these pharmaceuticals need them or are used to them to save their lives, and the price keeps going up all the time. Uh, there's a drug right now that I'm being prescribed that I need for a certain condition I have, and if I had to, if the insurance company doesn't pay for it, and I'm in the middle of a big wrangle with the insurance company, if the insurance company doesn't pay for it, then I would have to. Um, come up with about three dollars or $400 a month, which I absolutely can't afford, so that would be just too bad for me. All right, so uh, epipens it's an injector containing a drug that can save people from life-threatening allergy attacks. Now, as Mylan faces growing public furor over its pricing of EpiPen, the company's history of pricing the product highlights a common tactic in the drug industry sharply raising prices in the years just before a generic competitor reaches the market um, as a sort of final attempt to milk big profits from the brand-name drug. When they say big profits, they're talking about big profits. We're talking about billions, billions of dollars a year in profit, in net gain, net profit, uh, this uh, well, anyhow. whether the looming generic com- competition was a motive for the price increases is not entirely clear, because myland has declined to, declined to answer questions about its thinking. <laughs> its thinking, its thinking is very clear. We're going to make as much money as we possibly can, and you can all drop dead while we do it. Why, why do people, uh, you know, worry about what they're thinking? They're not thinking anything. They're thinking what a shark thinks when it bites into something uh, that it needs to eat. <laughs> thinking. But while the company was once taking two, listen to this, two ten 10% price in- increases a year, it was already an expensive drug, an, an EpiPen. But while the company was uh, once taking two 10% price increases a year, it has made two 15% increases annually starting in 2014. And the generic competition seemed imminent. Overall, the list price for a pack of two EpiPens is now over $600, up from a little more than $100 nine years ago, right? And this company, you know, the, the profit more—I haven't done the research into how much profit they make every year, but I'm sure they make billions of dollars in profits— The year uh, 2007 was the year that Mylan acquired the product. They didn't even, you understand, they didn't even put the research and development into this project. They just bought it from another drug company, right? So all they had to do was sell it, maybe some marketing and a little packaging, you know, uh, some advertising that they had to spend money on. But they bought this very expensive, very necessary drug from some other company and all they had to do was sell it. That's all they had to do. And, um, so, but they decided to, to raise the price. Um, MyLion acquired the product in 2007. And uh, most of the increase, a rise to two, $609 from 265 has come in the last three years. What has further fueled the increases is that the expected generic from Teva Pharmaceuticals was unexpectedly rejected by the Food and Drug Administration. A non-allergenic alternative, Sanofi's OVQ, was pulled from the market last year because of dosing problems. So rather than a last grasp for profits, grasp, a good word, Mylan has a near monopoly now allowing the, uh, to continue the price increases for at least another year. Mylan, while not commenting on why it has repeatedly increased the price, <laughs> well, I guess that's what a journalist has to say, right? That there's a reason for it, and they, and they call up the company and ask for a comment. Uh, you know, you don't want to make an editorial comment. You know, like they, what, what they should write here, if it was the truth, of course, but it wouldn't be journalism, it would be editorialism, is Mylan has repeatedly increased the price because they are son-of-a-bitch profiteers in the worst way. Anyhow, the MyLand says that most EpiPen users are insured. That's it. They're insured. They have private insurance or some other form of insurance, and they're insured. So it doesn't make any difference. We're going to charge $1,000 for this instead of $600. The insurance company will pay for it. And who pays? Where does the money come to pay the insurance companies? Where does that come from? comes out of your check, comes out of your check, comes out of your taxes, comes out of some place. The money doesn't come from outer space. doesn't come from Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin or Hillary Clinton. Anyhow, and uh, the company also says lamely that it offers um, coupons that can reduce or cover the patient's copayments, blah, blah, blah. Um, Anyhow, consumers who have, uh, such as those with high deductibles, are having to pay full price. Um, Hillary Clinton, the Democratic presidential nominee, called the price increases just the latest troubling example of a company taking advantage of its consumers. What a hypocritical bitch this woman is. Unbelievable. She is tied head, neck, umbilical cord, feet and heart and brain to Wall Street. She makes speeches Pardon me, is it bitch? is that sexist? Trump is a bastard she 's a bitch okay now now're now we 're now we're even so don't don 't give me a hard time. you know she makes speeches for three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars to Goldman Sachs and other wall Street companies. Who does she think they are she 's not stupid she 's not ignorant like trump i don 't think sometimes Trump even knows who he 's talking to you know he might and uh, i don 't think it makes any difference to him at all who he 's talking to could be a bunch of Wall Street people. It could be a bunch of people in Ohio at a steel mill. He just uh, shows up in a place and sells his ties and his steaks and, you know, his casinos or whatever else he's selling himself, and he just talks. Um, By the way, if (laughs) you—I've heard from a few people. If you are hearing what you think is a little sort of sibilant sound, like a slight—when I use S's, like a slight whistle, a little whistling sound, you're right. You are hearing that. I had— I'm an old guy, and I had a bridge put in, and uh, it has to be adjusted because temporarily I'm sounding like a steam whistle a little bit. So if you're hearing it, it's not your imagination, although it might be your imagination. I have no idea what your mental state is like. I can't, I, I don't know you personally. You're listening. Anyway, Hillary Clinton called it just, and, and on another comment she mentions, it's outrageous what they've done. Really, is it outrageous? When somebody gets paid three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for an hour speech, which is essentially a pre-bribe in case she becomes president, an hour speech to Goldman Sachs, which lends the money or invests the money or makes the deals for these drug companies to increase their power and to uh, to charge all this money, she's a direct part <clears throat> of the pipeline of greed that flows. Beneath everything in the American culture, so for her to denounce this is hypocrisy at its at its uh, highest level, anyhow, um, more about this uh, stuff <clears throat> um, let 's see um, the costs move from the insurer to the consumer eventually in the form of higher insurance premiums so that 's the point. They could say, oh, yeah, the insurance company pays for it. Now, a lot of us abuse that, too. You know, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, you can prescribe it. People prescribe whatever they want. People take whatever they want if they're on insurance plans and say, don't worry, I'm not paying for this. The insurance company is paying for it. No, that's just ignorant, right? Because one way or another, you're paying for it. If somebody else gets an expensive drug uh, through their insurance company or somebody else, especially if it's um, government insurance of one kind or another, uh, or somebody else gets an expensive procedure that maybe they don't need, but maybe they do need, or a drug, or an operation, or something or other, you're paying for it. We're all in this together here. You know, We're all part of this um, economic fabric. And the only way to beat the game, of course, is if you're very, very rich, like Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Why is it that we always have these um, choices between people who are very rich? This is what we have to choose from all the time. Al Gore, well, what does he have, $20 million? I have no idea. Anyhow, um, so and ultimately what happens is if you, if you pass, um, if, the, if the insurance company is paying for this drug or the procedure or whatever it is, uh, you're paying for it ultimately. They're going to charge you. They're going to figure out some way to take it out of your check or if somebody else is um, getting this um, benefit. It's going to come out of your check one way or another. That's the way the world works. You can be sure that rich people are not paying any taxes. Donald Trump has not released his taxes because you can be very, very sure, and I would bet my entire fortune, I have it in my bag here, it's a nickel. I found it at the bottom of my bag when I was coming down here. I would bet my entire fortune that Donald Trump has not paid any goddamn taxes in the last five years. And if he has, it's probably 100 times less than the taxes that you've paid on whatever pitiful amount of money you get from Social Security. I can't believe they tax Social Security. (laughs) First they take it out of your check, then later on when they give it to you, they tax it. Absolutely astounding. And people like Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton employ... Lawyers and accountants who make a thousand dollars an hour at a minimum to advise them on how to pay the least taxes possible. Uh, let's see, um, the list prices for various important drugs increased by an average of 35 percent in the two years before they lost exclusivity that is, before they lost. Uh, their protection from uh, from a generic being prescribed, compare with an average increase of twenty two percent for brand name drugs as a whole. So um, these things are going up and up and up. To make things worse, the president of this company, uh, the CEO of the company, is a woman named Heather Bresch, who currently is the symbol, the leading symbol of greed in a country which is essentially based on greed. I mean, this country was founded on various principles. Some were free speech, freedom of religion. And the other major pillar is the freedom to make as much money as possible uh, at the expense of anybody without any protection for those other people. Um, greed. Free speech, free re- freedom, from freedom of religion, and greed. Those are the, those are the American pillars. Uh, a bipartisan here's an, a bipartisan group of senators. The woman's the CEO's name is Heather Bresch. She is, by the way, and this must be very embarrassing for him. Or at least I hope he's embarrassed. Well, obviously she's not embarrassed because she makes such a tremendous amount of money. She's the head of this company, and she keeps defending it. She has not apologized yet. She's not resigned out of shame. She has no guilt. She has no shame. She's a psychopath. She's as bad as anybody. She was brought up to be, and there's a picture of her here, and she looks like somebody who uh, is missing a conscience. She looks like her conscience was surgically removed, maybe at a a very young age, if she ever had one to begin with. Heather Bresch, the chief of my land, which makes this EpiPen and keeps raising the price all the time, um, is the daughter of Senator Joe Manchin III of West Virginia, a Democratic senator, (laughs) more than half... The senators and the congressmen and women uh, in our Congress are millionaires and multimillionaires. Increasingly, if you look at a graph or a chart, graph, right? I'm old fashioned on a chart, a graph. From 19, let's say, 30 to now, there has been a tremendous increase in the number of senators and congresspeople, representatives who are millionaires and multimillionaires. Some of them have tens of millions. Some of them have hundreds of millions of dollars. And if they don't, their spouses do from information that they've provided while they're in the Congress. So basically the rich have taken over the United States. They always owned the country. They always ran the country more or less. But now it's right out there. It's in your face. Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, and half the people in Congress. Uh, now, now, Mr. Mr. Sanders, uh, who came here like Jesus for the poor, is also buying a vacation home in Vermont on Lake Champlain or someplace like that uh, for $600,000. Now, he's an old guy. You know, he worked hard his whole life. Uh, he's got a huge family a couple of different wives, got a huge family. He wants to have a place, not for himself, but probably he could get along without uh, a $600,000 vacation home. He's already got a couple of houses. But he, he's, um, he wants something to, to leave his kids. He wants something for his kids to enjoy, and he wouldn't mind it either, kicking back after the hard work he's done. You know, I think there's plenty of reasons why he could be excused for this, although it looks bad it looks bad. He could have, if he was going to buy a $600,000 vacation home after he's been denouncing the 1%, and income equality is something he's carrying a banner for and has been bleeding for, why couldn't he just announce this after the election? he 's buying it after the election why couldn 't he announce this after the election? Well, of course, because you have to have uh, you have to have the house inspected, there are closing fees there 's all kinds of things that have to go on for months before a house is closed on he shouldn 't have even negotiated for it he shouldn 't have even gone in and looked at a six hundred thousand dollar house until after the election because why because Uh, There are millions of people who supported Bernie Sanders, most of them younger voters, very often people who don't vote at all in national elections or any elections, uh, you know, at all. Um, These people are desperately needed by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats to beat Donald Trump and all the Republican governors and uh, all the Republican-controlled legislatures in the states the uh, Republican-controlled Senate and the Republican-controlled House. All these places need to have people vote Democratic. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Jill Stein and the Green Party and Gary Johnson and the Libertarian Party. I'm not forgetting they exist. But for reality's sake, you know, um, if people don't vote to overturn uh, the Republican dominance of the governorships in the states and the state legislatures, and Congress, then it really might not make any difference whatsoever that Hillary Clinton gets elected. And she might not get elected without Bernie Sanders people going in and just pulling the lever or pushing the button or whatever, or hitting, you know, some, you know, tab or something uh, for a Democratic, straight Democratic ticket. Something that needs to be done. So perhaps some progress can be made. If a Supreme Court nominee uh, is uh, put forth by Hillary Clinton, if she's elected, then uh, this nominee won't face a hard time or won't be rejected necessarily if, that, if, they, um, if the Congress has controlled the Senate, especially if they, if they are controlled by Democrats. So it seems to me that it was kind of tone deaf, which is a popular phrase he says, it was tone deaf at the very least, that's a euphemism, for Mr. Sanders to uh, start to negotiate and to close on a house that's $600,000 when he already owns one or is it two other houses when he's been talking about income inequality and leading the banner of what he calls a revolution. Is this revolutionary? <laughs> now, like I say, give the guy a break. He's an old guy. He's worked hard. He's providing you know the best kind of life he can for his family, which everybody wants to do. If they could, would you, wouldn't you do that if you could for your family? Spend as much money on them as possible. Make their lives easier. Pay off their school loans. Buy them a house. Get them a place where they could relax, where their kids can have a decent life. Pay for their colleges. Uh, all that kind of thing. Why not? You know? Why not? Of course, a lot of things should be free, you know, like college tuition and all health insurance. I mean, this thing with the EpiPen is... Um, is a, a, a poster campaign for socialized medicine, if anything ever was. So uh, this woman, Heather Bresch, um, let's see. <clears throat> uh, the, she's the daughter again. Um, let's see. A bipartisan group of senators uh, pressing on Wednesday for an explanation of the skyrocketing cost of the EpiPen, a life-saving injection device for those with severe allergies, found themselves directing their outrage towards an inconvenient target, the daughter of Senator Joe Manchin III. Mr. Manchin is a West Virginia Democrat, father of Heather Bresch, the chief executive of Mylan, a pharmaceutical company, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there is another, there one of the senators, Amy Klobuchar, Democrat of Minnesota. The issue is personal one for her because uh, for her daughter uses an EpiPen. And she says, uh, Senator Klobuchar, not only is this alarming price increase unjustified, it puts life-saving treatment out of the reach of consumers who need it most, not any senator because they have the best health insurance in the world. Hillary Clinton, the Democratic, has said she called the price right. Outrageous. It's outrageous, she says. <laughs> I didn't know gambling was going on in the back room. This is outrageous. Now Let's see. Sean Spicer, spokesperson for the Republican National Committee, tried to tie Mrs. Clinton to the controversy, posting on Twitter that it was caused by her supporter's daughter, a reference to Mr. Manchin and Ms. Brish. He shared a news release that said, my land, listen to this, MyLand pharmaceuticals had given up to $250,000 to the Clinton Foundation. Do we even know the depth and the breadth of the corruption involved in the Clinton Foundation? Saudi, the Saudi government, huge company donations to this place, and favors granted, connections made, lobbying. The Clinton. What is the Clinton Foundation? What does it do? We're not. Why? Why are we not finding out more about it? Because they're stonewalling everybody. And how can they get away with that? Because Trump is such a lunatic, he's such a clown, he's so entertaining, a fool. He's so so much a threat to democracy, that. She doesn't have to do anything. She doesn't have to defend herself. She doesn't have to talk about the Clinton Foundation. All the journalism that goes to exposing the Clinton Foundation is eclipsed in the shining insanity and amusing craziness of Donald Trump's campaign. Hillary Clinton, if she was up against some sober type like Mitt Romney, who wasn't a stone lunatic and a clown, she would lose the election. Because people would be free to focus on all her failings. And the greatest problem that she has is not all these missing emails, which who knows? I don't understand anything about that. I mean, she gets away with a lot of crap there. But this Clinton Foundation, who they get money from and what they do with the money and what kind of connections that they've made and lobbying efforts for large companies and for rich governments, who knows, right? Anyhow, um, uh, reports that the price of, two, of a two-pack of EpiPens had recently spiked to a new high of $608.61, true, were followed by revelations that Mylan executives had also received huge salary increases. Listen to this. This is the capper of it all. Since Mylan acquired the EpiPen, Ms. Bresch, Ms. Bresch's compensation has, been, has risen 671%. When's the last time you got a fucking raise? What did you get, 2% over a course of three years? Or did you get any raise at all? Or they've taken back such so much from you uh, in givebacks that your actual income has gone down. Since she has been the CEO and since they acquired EpiPen, which is about um, nine years ago, her compensation has risen 671% to $18.9 million last year. This woman makes $18.9 million and is defending her company's right to raise this life-saving drug out of the possibility of being acquired by people who actually needed to save their lives. What kind of country do we live in? What kind of place is this? We need to have Medicare for All. We need socialized medicine. This is an example of it. She has no shame, this woman. The country itself, the cult, the ruling culture of this country has no shame whatsoever, and that includes Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Why don't we vote for Heather Bre—Heather Brush? Let's make Heather Brush president. She knows how to—she knows how to get the job done. <laughs> Let's draft Heather Brush for president. Right? All right. Mylan also drew scrutiny in 2014. For acquiring, or they have a habit of doing this, for acquiring a European drug company and then using it to incorporate in the Netherlands. So they don't even pay taxes on the goddamn money. They make outrageous profits on drugs. They put them out of the reach of people who, who need them to save their lives, and then they incorporate in the Netherlands where they, where they have to pay less in taxes or none at all. It was an eyebrow-raising move for Ms. Bresch, whom Esquire magazine named a Patriot of the Year in 2011. Patriot <laughs> of the Year. Oh, my. My land's greed is apparently limitless, Senator Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, said Wednesday on Twitter. They didn't just raise the price of EpiPens. They also dodge U.S. taxes. Why am I talking about all this? Because it's outrageous. Because... Uh, the stuff they taught us in school, that all people are created equal and we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Apparently, also, the pursuit of happiness includes the pursuit of as much money as possible at the expense of the very lives of other people. Screw people. To hell with other people. Let's make as much money as we possibly can. And everybody, if, if millions of people lose their jobs and they die because they don't have the right medical treatment and they have no education, that's their problem. God bless America. Let's take a little break here. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh, oh,
0: That's what I call a beautiful, slow fade. That was, like, that was like a home run. That was like a grand slam of fades. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, that's Take Five, by the way. If you don't know that song, Take Five, Dave Brubeck, uh, one of the great jazz tunes of all time. And the um, alto sax you're hearing is by Paul Desmond. Uh, The announcement at the beginning of the show, I repeat now, and I'm going to keep doing it until I get it right. Uh, The show, which has been on Mondays at 4 p.m., that is the turning point, the show you're listening to now, that has been on Mondays at 4 p.m., will be switching to Fridays at 4 p.m. The first uh, Monday it will not be on is Monday, uh, September 12th, so it will be on... Uh, uh, you know, you'll be able to catch the show next Monday, the 5th, which is Labor Day. And um, then uh, the next uh, time the show will be on is Friday, September 16th. Okay? All right. Um, Now, you know, just because I'm criticizing American culture and uh, the American economy and the American dream or the American nightmare, whatever it is so frequently, doesn't mean – that I am unaware of the fact that the rest of the world is pretty crazy and sick and greedy, too. Seems to be something about human nature. Um, the uh, the thing that is the most uh, bizarre is um, uh, right now a couple of things are the most bizarre. Oh, before I tell you about that, I wanted to mention a, bu- a terrific book I'm reading now. It's called The Sympathizer. The Sympathizer. And it's by a Vietnamese-American author. Um, and his name... Is uh, Viet V I E T Tan T A H N or T H A N and Nguyen is his last name. So just remember the sympathizer and it's by Viet V E I T. If you're going to Google it, Nguyen, which is N G U Y E N. It's impossible for me to describe right now in detail, and I wouldn't want to do that too much to give it away, but it 's about um, it 's a political history it 's a personal history uh, it 's in novel form it 's not his it 's not his life entirely uh, he was this guy basically grew up in the United States, but he writes about somebody who is um, half Vietnamese and half uh, turns out uh, Euro- european and he 's got a way of seeing things his personality not only is he separated. Um, it reminds me a little bit of um, uh, of various other books where people were um, were uh, born in countries that were split in half, uh, that were um, you know that were uh, separated by some international agreement or something imposed by some other country, you know, where a boundary line was drawn. So suddenly you're um, you were in one place and you have to you know when in- when uh, India was separated from Pakistan in 1949. Tens of millions of people emigrated in both directions uh, to, you know, to, so they wouldn't be in a place that was ruled by one religion or the other. They wanted to go with their compatriots and their co-religionists. And this has happened in various other places too. And in 1954, or was it 56, I forget which, <clears throat> um, Vietnam was uh, divided in half because there was a civil war going on. And because the uh, French colonialists were defeated right around that time, or were in the process of being defeated, uh, the uh, the world got together and decided to divide Vietnam, called before that Annam, A-N-N-A-M, divided at a certain point so that there was South Vietnam and North Vietnam. Now, most people uh, my age know a bit about this kind of history, But this book is, um, so it's a historical novel, and it's one of the best books I've ever read. Uh, I read, I guess I read more than the average number of books. And this is one of the best books I've ever read. It's, the guy is a genius writer. He's a brilliant writer. And it's about uh, a double personality, at least a double personality, somebody who sees both sides of things, who has, who is half uh, European and half Vietnamese, uh, so he's not uh, one of every, of anything particularly, but he's two of everything all the time. And he has a personality which is able to see both sides of an issue all the time. And on top of that, he's a double agent uh, for the communists and for uh, for the South Vietnamese secret police and on and on and on. And it's uh, it's got some graphic, sometimes excruciatingly graphic descriptions of torture in the book which I'm sure are very realistic, and he did a lot of research, the guy who wrote this book. He's a professor at some university out in California and a novelist. But this is really – it won, I think it won the Pulitzer Prize and a National Book Award last year or the year before that when it came out. I can highly recommend this book called The Sympathizer by Viet Tan Nguyen, N-G-U-Y-E-N. So if you're looking for a book to read, read that book. <clears throat> What's bizarre uh liberty, equality, and fraternity you know all men are created equal, all people are created equal uh, from the French right the French um, war of independence, the French Revolution uh against uh the uh the outrages the uh the the hundreds years hundreds of years of outrages by the nobility, by the king and by the nobility, and they wanted to have um a society where people were at least equal. Of course, like in any other society where these principles were fought for, it never really did materialize completely. I mean, look at our country. You know, equality. What happened to equality? Well, you know, uh, one of the secrets here is that it was never completely equal to begin with. It was mostly rich white men that made our uh, society what it is, who founded our society. The founding documents especially the Declaration of Independence, are beautiful. They're just like uh, some of the sermons of Jesus in the Bible, but that's not the way Christianity or a lot of Christians turned out to be. Um, it, that's just human nature. An ideal can never be lived up to. It can be aspired to, and people can try to live up to it, but there is uh, uh, you know, something in human nature which tends towards um, survival, um, <clears throat> self importance, greed, narcissism, uh, self protection, and this sometimes gets very complicated. However, in the land of liberty, equality, and fraternity, now what they're doing is uh, arresting Muslim women on the beaches for wearing what's called a burkini. You know about this, right? Burkinis um, are full body uh, bathing suits, whatever the hell that means. And, um, <clears throat> The French are reacting to these ridiculous-looking bathing suits. They were designed—where were they designed? Somewhere in the Middle East or some by somebody. Maybe it was somebody in Southeast Asia. I think somebody in Southeast Asia. i going to have some water. Designed these bathing suits, which are to be worn not necessarily by Muslims, but I think the woman who designed this bathing suit, who is getting a lot of money, who is getting rich off them—hold on a second. Is a, I think she's a Muslim herself, but not a religious Muslim. So she didn't design it for herself for for wearing at the beach. Obviously, there are over a million, a billion Muslims, and obviously in many countries, Muslim women are not religious or they don't live in a way uh, which is so strict. But in every country, especially, uh, well, we can ignore the countries where the where the, where the where Muslim law is uh, is the rule, like a country like Pakistan or Saudi Arabia, where if you decided that you were going to wear a bikini outside, they would cut off your head, something like that, or you would be stoned to death, or Iran, some crazy place like that. But in France... Um, which uh, did not pioneer the bikini necessarily, but in France, where sexuality is uh, supposedly taken for granted, whatever other conservative classes there are in France, where, uh, where on the beach they have nude bathing, where sexuality is more or less taken for granted. Maybe the world assumes wrongly, but the world generally assumes that in France, sexuality is not viewed in a puritanical way as it is in some other countries, especially the United States and England, and maybe Spain somewhat. But uh, in France, where everybody's equal, now there are Muslim women who are going to the beach and wearing uh, these, um, these what's called a burkini, which is just um, a burqa is a full body covering that uh, very religious uh, Muslim women wear. And what is the problem? The problem is that uh, the French... Have been the victims of a tremendous amount of um, Muslim uh, extreme terrorism, of extreme um, you know Islamic terrorism, and they are reacting in a gut way. They are reacting in a gut way. So any symbol in France of uh, of uh, of extremity uh, in terms of uh, Islam is reacted against, and they're reacting against it legally. The, France is the leading country in Europe and uh, perhaps in the non-Muslim world, which is, which forbids headdresses in school, Muslim headdresses for women in school, which forbids um, <clears throat> veils on women's faces in public. Um, and now they're making a big deal. The cops, there was a picture that went all the way around the world. It was on the front page of uh, many newspapers. It was on TV. Of the cops in Nice, this is down in the uh, in the French Riviera. The cops in Nice were arresting a Muslim woman on the beach, and rather they were giving her a fine, and they were demanding that she remove part of the covering that she was wearing at the beach. Who are they? (laughs) <laughs> who are they in a land that's supposed to be one of the great democracies and a place that represents equality for everybody? Who are they to tell somebody what they want to wear at the beach? If the woman wanted to wear a suit of armor at the beach, you know, if she wanted to wear a wetsuit and just have her eyes shown, which is close to what a bikini is, and have her feet in, wrapped in cement, if she wants to wear that at the beach, it's her stupid choice. She wants to fry at the beach like an anchovy. Let her do it, right? That's equality. That's equality. But why are the French reacting this way to Muslim women wearing burkinis at the beach or wearing headdresses? Why are they arresting people, giving people fines, uh, putting up notices on the beach that it's forbidden to cover yourself? It's forbidden to cover yourself up? Think about 100 years ago where it was forbidden to take anything off. I mean, uh, the uh, the Times had a, an interesting picture this weekend, yesterday in the Sunday Times, of uh, a policeman in uh, Italy, it was, but it could easily have been France. In the 1950s, when women started wearing bikinis at the beach, thank God they did start wearing bikinis at the beach. I mean, I appreciate it, you know. I'd feel bad if they didn't. But when women started wearing bikinis at the beach, and bikini, I don't know the exact origin of it, but bikini is an atoll, you know, a small little, tiny little island in uh, the South Pacific that was used for one of the hydrogen bomb tests. I have no idea what the connection is between a bikini, I'm sure it's easy to find out on Google, and the hydrogen bomb tests. But um Anyhow, maybe, maybe the quote-unquote natives of these uh, atolls and the islands in the South Pacific were wearing this costume all the time, because sensibly because of the heat and because they didn't care about uh, the sexual mores of crazy Christians and Jews. They didn't have to worry about that, not to mention Muslims. So here's the great irony and the hypocrisy of uh, the people in France and apparently most of the majority population, which is not Muslim, or who are white Christians at the beaches, are insulting these women. Uh, they're, uh, you know, they're applauding the police. But recently, a French court, according to this, let's see, France's highest administrative court on Friday, this past Friday, overturned a town's ban on burkinis. The full-body swimwear used by some Muslim women setting a precedent that challenges similar bans in at least 30 other municipalities, most of them on the French Riviera. Um, The burkini and the decisions to ban wearing them on beaches has become the focus of spirited global debate over women's rights, assimilation, and secularism. The reason that the French object to this uh, in the first place, they object to headdresses and to veils and to burkas, the complete body covering, is because they see it rightly as a symbol of patriarchal dominance of men over women patriarchal, dom- patriarchal dominance of men over women um, incidentally this picture though is even more amusing in the light of that uh, thought because what you have is a bunch of male policemen uh, surrounding a female um, uh, Muslim woman a Muslim woman and demanding that she take her uh, some of her clothes off at the beach <laughs> a bunch of men in other words telling this woman what to wear which is why the French are objecting in the first place. But they're, they're right. This is a symbol. Now, whether or not this should be permitted in society, I'm on the side of people who say if women want to subjugate themselves to men, uh, they have a choice to do that. They may not feel like they have a choice. They may feel like they're going to get beat up or they're getting in trouble or getting shamed. I and mean, this is like um, uh, ultra-Orthodox Jewish communities in, um, in our own Brooklyn here in New York City. Uh, where women are supposed to cover themselves up as much as possible. There's, it's exactly the same kind of origin, this kind of crazy desert patriarchal religions. You know, the Judaism and uh, and and and, um, and uh, the Islam. Now, don't get all crazy on me if you're uh, if you're Jewish and I'm comparing Islam and Judaism. But there are certain things culturally and inherently uh, absorbed into the religion which are um, which uh, are in common, which have things in common. Meanwhile, the French don't like it because it's a symbol of patriar- patriarchal uh, dominance of women, and the French don't like that. They want women to be able to make, you know, to be equal to men. Whether or not they are in French society, I have no idea. I'm not an expert on that. And they're right. And the other reason they're reacting this way is very simple. They're reacting this way because a lot of crazy uh, Muslim men have shot and killed and blown up and run over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of innocent French men, women, and children. And of course, people in a country are going to react this way. People, it's just human nature. That's the way it is. But this is uh, the bizarre kind of thing that's going on in France right now. How much time do we have left here? Three minutes. Okay. Uh, I don't know if we have time for now. I guess I don't think we really do have time for this. So we have, in this country, we have our uh, EpiPen crisis. What do you think? What What are you betting? If you're betting anything, would you bet that the price of the EpiPen is lowered? Has the drug company ever lowered the price of a drug in the history of the pharmaceutical industry? I don't know. Congress is making all kinds of noise, right? The Republicans and Democrats, they're yelling and screaming. One reason the Republicans are getting so... Uh, exercise about this. is not for the good of the common men and women of this country. Forget about that. When's the last time they did anything like that? They're getting angry because it's politically advantageous, because the father of this greedy woman, this horrible woman, I don't know how she lives with herself. Well, she has no conscience. But if she's married, or what her kids think of her, or what her husband thinks of her, I have no idea, I mean, when her kids, if her kids are teenagers or they're in school or they're preteens and they go to school, even if it's a private school or wherever, um, the other kids, even if they're rich, like at a private school, and I'm sure they are, they're going to get on them. They're going to say, oh, your mother, your mother is so greedy, right? They're going to shame these kids. And it's her fault. It's her fault. In some societies, I suppose, maybe in Japanese society, I don't know, she would resign and apologize to the people of the country for her greed, and they, she would engineer um you know a cut in price that goes down like you know like eighty percent, because people need these drugs. but the the basic problem here is that we have private uh, private drug companies, private hospitals and private health insurance companies. It all needs to be socialized medicine, medic- you know, like Medicare for all. And we wouldn't have these kinds of situations. Greed would still exist everywhere, but at least it wouldn't be in the pharmaceutical industry. All right, that's about it for this week. Don't, uh, don't forget uh, the next uh, you know, incarnation of uh, of the turning point here with Mike Fader would be Friday the 16th. I'll be on this Monday the 5th, and then after that, no more Mondays, Fridays. Okay, thanks a lot.
2: Take your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow sight If you walk with Jesus, he'll save your soul. You gotta keep the devil down in the hole. He's got the fire and the fury at his command. Well, you don't have to worry if you hold on to Jesus' hand. We'll all be saved from Satan when the road You gotta keep the devil. The devil